Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. This is VoiceAmericaKids.com. It's sports from a kid's point of view. This is Behind the Line on the Voice America Kids channel. Now, here is your host. Hello and welcome to Voice America Kids. It's Behind the Lines with me, Max Merkin. For more information, you can go to www.voiceamericakids.com or www.kidstar.org. It's our third show, hopefully the third show of many here at Behind the Lines, and we're going to open with a bit of an ironic twist. We're going to talk about the NFL, the CBA, the draft, and a couple of other headlines that have happened recently within the NFL, but it's kind of ironic that we're talking about the NFL, considering that it's two or three months before anybody even starts talking or thinking about the NFL. There is latest, there is latest news about the CBA. Last show, we were talking about how great it was that the lockout was over and there was going to be a season, but hopefully we won't crush your hopes too far because the lockdown is with us again. The CBA disagreements have locked down. There's been an injunction, and the players have even asked Judge David Doty, Judge David Doty, the head judge of the CBA case, for the owners to pay them $707 million. We'll talk about that in a little while. But if you've been listening and reading and watching about all the headlines of the NFL, and you don't even know what's going on in the CBA, we're going to clear that up for you. What happened was, in every sport, there's a collective bargaining agreement, and they state rules that owners and players cannot violate, such as, not being able to release a player while they're on the disabled list or minimum wage for professional or minor league sports. And this, the collective bargaining agreement was up for the NFL after this season, and it will be for the MLB and the NBA after this season. And therefore, owners and players can make rules, change rules, make new ones, and the owners, as well as a lot of NFL officials, are saying that there should be 18 games. There should be an 18-game season, a 19-week season, so players therefore have to play one more home and one more road game. And owners are pushing for this for many reasons, but TV contracts and extra game, extra home games are among the top reasons, and it's really getting out of hand. We said this last show how the business side of sports is really getting out of hand, but you can look at the CBA lockdown two different ways. You could look at it a positive way and a negative way. The positive way is, well, we were so shocked when the lockout was lifted and the disagreements and injunctions were pushed back. We were so shocked, but it was so great that it happened. It happened out of thin air. It could easily happen again, just as it did before. Or you could look at the negative way, saying, well, we are very excited that the lockout was lifted, but now it's probably with us for good. I'm not going to opinionate either one. I'm not going to side with one 
way or the other. But in my opinion, I think the NFL raised the CBA lockouts just for the draft. When you think about it, the lockout was lifted the day before the draft and was reinstated two days after the draft. And many draftees and corporate people and general managers and many people working for NFL teams were very surprised and saddened by that. But to me, it just seems like the NFL raised the lockout so players wouldn't get booed walking up to the podium. And so Roger Goodell wouldn't have to go through all that chaos, even though he kind of did go through all that chaos in the draft. It is sad that the NFL would pull something like that, but I'm going to stay positive. I feel like I haven't been positive enough in the past two shows, and I do think it is possible there could be an NFL season. Last couple, the last couple of shows, I gave it a 25. I gave the NFL a 25% chance to produce a season. I'm raising it up to 40. And those of you listening are saying, "Wow, he just raised his percentage 15%. What's that going to do?" I believe in the NFL. I've voiced my opinions against Roger Goodell. Never really liked him as a commissioner. But I think he's going to try harder now. And I think he's going to really, really do everything he can to produce an NFL season. But we're going to end the CBA talks and drift into a happier subject of the NFL. The NFL draft came and went. And to... Not many surprises. Cam Newton went number one overall. Cam Newton, the quarterback from Auburn, who had a long college career, two years at a community college, a year behind Tim Tebow at Florida, finally finding a home at Auburn, was then drafted by the Carolina Panthers number one. The reason we're even mentioning this, because it should go without saying that he went number one, is because on the eve of the draft, Patrick Peterson, cornerback from LSU, was supposed to go number one. It's like somebody said it, and it was like a rumor passing through the NFL, and everyone was saying, oh, he's so good. Patrick Peterson should get drafted. If you look over history, there's only been four really bad cornerbacks to be drafted in the top ten. We need to draft Patrick Peterson. Carolina, in my opinion, they they couldn't go wrong either way. Sure, they need a quarterback, but it's the second year in a row they've drafted a quarterback in the first round. Jimmy Clausen obviously didn't pan out, which is why they drafted Cam Newton. And I don't know if I have 100% trust in Cam Newton, not that I'm a Carolina Panthers fan, but I think if you do live in Carolina, if you follow the Panthers at all, I think that it might not be the best draft choice because the Panthers have a fairly decent offense Jimmy Clausen had a really bad rookie year. There's no doubting that. There's no going against that. Are they going to be better this year? Possibly. But Patrick Peterson's a game changer. You need a defense. You need to have a defense that can stop good offenses in order to win. And Carolina's problem was their defense last year. Jimmy Clausen can go out and throw two touchdown passes or help his team score two, three touchdowns, maybe a field goal in there. If a team scores 14, 21, 24 points, the defense should be able to hold the opposing team, the opposition, and Carolina couldn't do that. Which is why I think Patrick Peterson would have been a pretty good draft choice because he is a game changer. He can change the face of the game. He can make a huge interception or a huge block. He could 
rush whoever he could sack or rush whoever they're facing. I think that would have been the better call, but seeing Cam Newton's stats, there's no doubt he's going to be very good in the NFL. Vaughn Miller went number two. Patrick Peterson went number five. Mark Ingram went number 21. He was drafted 21 out of 31 in the first round. That's pretty... That's pretty surprising because it's, but it is, it's surprising, but it is a classic, a classic example of how the draft goes. You're supposed to be drafted by a team. Mark Ingram was supposed to go in the top 15. He was watching the draft, the four hour draft. He was watching it and he was sitting there at the Radio City Music Hall and he was watching players get called up and nobody said his name. And if you don't get drafted where you're supposed to, you can slide six or seven spots because every other team is expecting you to go somewhere, and they already have their draft plan laid out, and that's why Mark Ingram went number 21. It is surprising, but Mark Ingram is a great running back. He he has proven that with Alabama. He had a pretty off season last year, but his junior season when they went to the national championship, that really was a coming out party for him, and I'm glad for Mark Ingram. Drifting into a new category of the NFL, there are so many, even though two or three months before training camp even starts, the Green Bay Packers are retiring Brett Favre's famous number four. Brett Favre, the quarterback out of Southern Carolina who played with four different teams, but for the bulk of his career with Green Bay. They're retiring his number four once they have confirmed that he is, in fact, retiring. He's done this two or three times where he says, I'm retiring, and then he ends up going to the Jets. 71,838 yards, 6,300 completions. He leads all quarterbacks in history in every offensive category, except probably rushing touchdowns. When you look at what he's done it is truly amazing. Sure, he's thrown a lot of interceptions. He threw 19 in his last year with Minnesota. The Cincinnati Bengals are saying that they don't want to keep Carson. It's a little odd. Carson Palmer and Marvin Lewis have 97 regular season wins together, the most out of any quarterback-coach co- combo in history, but they've never won a postseason game. Carson Palmer and Marvin Lewis have not won a postseason game 97 games together, they might not see a 98th. It's kind of sad because Chad Oshosinko's playing soccer. You never know what's going on with him. And Terrell Owens, he might not get re-signed by them. He's a free agent after this year. Nobody knows what's happening with the Cincinnati Bengals. That'll conclude this segment, this show's talk about the NFL. Next, we'll talk about golf for the second time in three shows. We'll talk about the etiquette of golf, how it compares to other sports, and the latest tournament, TPC Sawgrass in Florida. Coming up next here on Behind the Lines, I'm Max Merkin. Stay tuned here with Voice America Kids. Stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com. 
Kids these days are so connected to the media that they can't help but be surrounded by news and politics. Today's kids get more information than kids of past generations, and because of that, they have more informed opinions. Kids today may not be able to vote yet, but they can certainly influence voters and issues with their voices. Tune in every week for America Today and talk about the issues and influence the decision makers. America Today airs every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids channel. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us support surprise you. Behind the Line is all about the inside of sports from a kid's point of view. This is a look at all of the action from Behind the Line. Join your host every Wednesday at 3 p.m. whether you're a kid or was a kid at some time in your life. We'll run down all of the scores, talk about the games of the past week, and preview what's coming up in the next week. You'll want to take notes because this is good stuff. The place to be Wednesdays at 3. That's 6 p.m. Eastern is the Voice America Kids channel for Behind the Line. Want to laugh yourself silly over the crazy happenings of the celeb world and beyond? Tune in to Behind the Mask on Voice America Kids. Your hosts will uncover the celebrities you know and love, along with some that you might not know in this country, but they are admired across the world. But it's not just the famous that need to look out. We'll look inside the music biz, stage, and of course, the big screen. Listen to Behind the Mask every Thursday at 8 p.m. on Broadway and 5 p.m. Hollywood side on the Voice America Kids channel. Action just doesn't stop. You're listening to Behind the Line on Voice America Kids. Now, back to the show. Hello and welcome back to Behind the Lines with Max Merkin. You're listening here on Voice America Kids. For more information, you can go to www.voiceamericakids.com or www.kidstar.org. It's our third show we just talked about, the NFL, the CBA latest, the draft, and a couple of other headlines. If you want to voice your opinion here on Behind the Lines, you can email us at voiceamericakids at yahoo.com. Once again, voiceamericakids at yahoo.com. Tell us your opinions. Tell us your opinions of my opinions, and we'll try to talk about it on the show. Now we're going to talk about golf. Surprisingly, we've done three shows, and it's the second out of three we've talked about golf. It's it's kind of an under-the-radar sport. And I said it before, you need to love golf to follow it. You don't walk 18 holes while swinging a club if you just kind of like it. You don't watch it for four hours if you just kind of like it. There are some headlines in the golf world. Tiger Woods was playing at TPC Sawgrass in Florida. It's a tournament that he plays at annually, and he was going to make the cut. It looked as if he was playing okay, but then his swing kind of went away. It deteriorated. His back was really hurt, and he had to withdraw from the tournament. Yes, Tiger Woods withdraws from the tournament. It's pretty amazing considering he's been the best player in the world for a very long time. Once again, the tournament TPC Sawgrass 
at Point Verde Beach, Florida. The defending champion is Tim Clark, who I don't believe was in the field this season. The start date was May 12, 2011, and the purse, the overall amount of money given out was $9,500,000. The winner does not take all that home. But let's look at Tiger Woods. He doesn't withdraw much. He started playing golf amateurly, professionally at the age of 16. He played one tournament with the PGA Tour, did not make the cut. He was cut. At 17, he played three tournaments. 18, also three tournaments. Same result. He was cut. He played four tournaments at the age of 19. He made three cuts, and his highest finish was 41st. Let's scroll down a little. He has 71 wins. I believe he has 14, yes, 14 wins at the majors. He is the best player in the world. Despite the standings, despite the statistics, Tiger Woods is the best player in the world, but he had to withdraw today. And it's sad because he was kind of on, a, on an increase. You know, he, he did very well at the Masters. He even led the tournament for a very small amount of time. And now he's withdrawing from tournaments. His swing is not helping him. It's actually failing him. And it's, it's getting bad. He's only 33, 34 years old. So we should expect a good amount more from Tiger Woods. He's not done. He's definitely not done. He has 71 career wins, as we said, two out of 262 total tournaments. He's made 236 cuts out of those 252 tournaments. That's pretty amazing. And he played 16 tournaments in 2009, missed the cut once, but that was as he was starting to deteriorate. We'll, we'll finish our thoughts about Tiger Woods with this. He's the best player in the world. It doesn't matter if anyone, if analysts and statisticians say he's technically not, everybody knows he is. Ratings are up when he's playing in a tournament. So Tiger Woods is the best player in the world. It doesn't matter how many cuts he's missed, what his fairway and driving percentage is. It really doesn't matter. Tiger Woods is the best player in the world. But let's talk about golf as a sport for right now. Golf is probably the only sport left with a a 90-page rule book. And golf is probably the only sport left where there is an etiquette. Sure, in baseball, you don't break a guy's leg sliding into a double play. And in football, you don't have a helmet-to-helmet tackle. But golf, there's so many rules. There's so much etiquette involved. It really makes you question... Is that why people don't like it? You know, a father teaches his son how to throw a baseball or how to catch a football. But right now, does he really teach his son how to swing a golf club? And maybe it's because being a Major League Baseball player, being an NFL football player, is such an elite thing to do. Sure, making the PGA Tour qualifying through qualifying school isn't exactly easy, but many people can swing a golf club mediocrely many people can swing a golf club kind of well but not many people can hit a 450 foot home run or throw a 75 yard touchdown pass that's probably not why people aren't fans of golf though me i kind of like to see 
a guy tipping his cap to the crowd as he sinks a birdie putt. But I like to see somebody taking out the second baseman on a double play or a diving catch in the outfield or a 450-foot home run. I'd like to see a pick six or a 75-yard touchdown pass from Aaron Rodgers or even a check against the boards in hockey. Golf is not a popular sport because it, it's, there's too many rules. There's too much etiquette to it. It's not fun seeing a guy kind of pump his fist a little when he has a good drive. It's more fun seeing Matt Kemp slide headfirst into second on a stolen base. It's more fun seeing a guy spit and run and yell and make incredible highlight real plays. The only time you see a golf play in the top 10 plays of the week is when a guy sinks a hole in one or when Tiger Woods sinks a 75-foot putt. You're not seeing that a lot, though, because Tiger's not playing and he's not sinking 75-foot putts. But, you know, it's kind of a sport where you love it or you hate it. And we thought there for a minute it was on the increase. If you were to buy stock in golf a couple weeks ago, it would be up. But right now, it might not be. It's the tournament's TPC Sawgrass. That's the latest PGA tournament. There are pretty... There's a pretty good field. Nick Watney, Lucas Glover, Graham McDowell, Davis Love III, Jason Day. But it makes you think, are fans only fans of golf when it's the British Open, the U.S. Open, or the Masters? Are fans only watching on CBS or any other TV station when a player is being handed a green jacket? Who knows? It's extremely difficult to find out if that's true. But golf is just a sport where you love it or you hate it. And when Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson aren't playing in a tournament, why do I turn on the TV? Why do I listen to the radio or read about it online or in the newspaper? Sure, it's a huge payout, but why do I want to see a guy like Nick Watney, sure, a pretty well-known golfer in the United States, but why do I want to see him get a million-dollar check why do I want to see him pump his fist when he sinks a birdie? I want to see Tiger doing that. And I guarantee it, It's the ratings are going to go down when Tiger Woods has a hurt back. It's the truth. Why shouldn't they? He's the best player in the world. He is the best in the world at what he does. There's nobody who, is one more, who has won more in the past 20 years. Nobody who's won more Masters, gotten more green jackets or U.S. Open medals. Tiger Woods is in the elite. Alex Rodriguez, Matt Kemp, Ryan Braun, they're in the elite at what they do. Aaron Rodgers, Darrell Rivas, Chad Ochocinco maybe, they're in the elite at what they do. Alex Ovechkin and many other hockey players that names don't really flow to the TV screen because hockey's not that much of a popular sport, but it's more popular than golf. Golf is a sport where you don't see many elite players. A guy can have a lucky four days and be the most famous person on the planet. Graham McDowell shot even last year at the U.S. Open, and he won. Is that really something you want to be watching? A guy who shoots even par, a guy who makes it in the... who shoots an average score on a golf course win? I don't. 
You're listening to Behind the Lines. I'm Max Merkin here on Voice America Kids. To voice your opinions about this segment or last segment or any of the shows you've listened to, you can email us at voiceamericakids at yahoo.com. Once again, voiceamericakids at yahoo.com. Coming up next is our third segment about the NHL and NFL losers and upsets. It is the playoffs, and we'll talk to you about why teams have lost, why teams have been upset, and why teams are still in the tournaments. You're listening to Behind the Lines with me, Max Merkin. Stay tuned here on Voice America Kids. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Hello and welcome back to Behind the Lines with Max Merkin. You're listening here on Voice America Kids. For more information, you can go to www.voiceamericakids.com or www.kidstar.org. We've been through two segments, and we're almost done with our third show here at Behind the Lines. And it's really been a, an odd month in sports. The NHL and, F- and NBA playoffs, excuse me, are in full swing. There's been a few upsets and a few favorites to win, but we're going to talk about that right now. We just talked about golf in the NFL. And... We're going to talk about the NBA and the NHL. There's a few headlines so far. Derrick Rose, LeBron James, and Kobe Bryant made the all-NBA team this year. But I don't think that's what's on LeBron James and Derrick Rose's mind. We'll look at the NBA playoff bracket first. And in the first round, the Bulls beat the Pacers four games to one. The Bulls were the number one seed, so no surprise. Atlanta beat the Hawks, beat the Magic. The Celtics swept the Knicks. The Heat swept the the Heat won in five games against the 76ers. Memphis, being the only first round upset, beat San Antonio four games to two. Oklahoma City beat Denver four games to one. The Dallas Mavericks beat the Portland Trail Blazers four games to two, and the Lakers beat the New Orleans Hornets four games to two as well. But Let's look into the second round. That's really what people are looking for right now. We'll go to the easy headlines first. The Miami Heat beat the Boston Celtics in five games, and that's shocking in itself. But the Celtics are getting older. They are aging, and after this season, they'll be aged even more. Who knows how long Doc Rivers, Paul Pierce, and Ray Allen are going to be going for. But I think the Celtics are worried right now about them losing to the Heat. The Heat won in five games. And in the last game, the fifth game, Boston was down 3-1 to one in the series. They had a, a six-point lead with four and a half minutes left. I don't know what happened. Somebody turned the on switch on for the Heat, and they scored 16 straight points. The Celtics scored none in the last four and a half minutes. LeBron James scored the final 10 for the Heat, and the Heat went on to win. LeBron James took a knee and was taking in the moment after the game. It's a great win for him. It's a great win for Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh and the rest of the Heat, along with Eric Spolstra, who might not be here at the end of the season or at the beginning of next season. But, you know, when you think about it, the Heat, the Heat have been through a lot. 
there's been so much controversy with them. People are saying they're overrated. Yeah, they're overrated. They have the two best players in the NBA. You know, they're overrated. They're not going to do well in the playoffs. They've done pretty well in the playoffs. They've played nine playoff games, and they've won eight of them against the New York Knicks and the Boston Celtics, two very highly respected teams. I think the Heat are going to do okay. But let's look at the tougher score to talk about. The Dallas Mavericks swept the Los Angeles Lakers four games to none. The Los Angeles Lakers, the team that was the two-seed behind only San Antonio in the West, lose to the Dallas Mavericks. The Dallas Mavericks, the same team that was, I believe, the Dallas Mavericks who were the three-seed. So it's an upset because the Lakers were the two-seed and the Mavs were the three-seed. It's unbelievable that that happened. But, you know, Ron Artest had a flagrant foul. He was suspended two games. Andrew Bynum had an, an, an Andrew Bynum also had a flagrant foul. And then there was the whole Kobe Bryant, Pau Gasol locker room fight. So the Lakers weren't exactly thinking about basketball. The Lakers were thinking about their personal lives. Kobe wanted to tie Michael Jordan for the most finals won by an NBA player. That's why they lost. They lost by 36 in the final game. Sure, the Mavericks won three games, and the Lakers pretty much knew there wasn't much hope. But the Boston Red Sox came back in 04. Why couldn't the Lakers come back? The Lakers have so much talent, so much skill, so much so much experience. Phil Jackson is one of the smartest basketball minds in the NBA. They still get swept. That's a huge win for Dallas and a huge loss for the Lakers. It really is because Los Angeles was planning to go on a three-peat. Phil Jackson's won 15, 16 championships, six as a player, 10 as a coach. And it is really amazing that they didn't win the three-peat because Phil Jackson has won eight championships with the Lakers and the previous six came in a three-peat. They won back-to-back championships. It's kind of shocking the Lakers lost. But on a bit of a happier note, Kobe Bryant of the losing Lakers was named to the All-NBA team, as was LeBron James. Let's look at LeBron's stats. He's played 627 career games. His field goal percentage in that is 0.479, so close to one out of every two shots he takes, he makes. He has 7.1 rebounds per game, 7.0 assists per game, and 1.7 steals per game. That's pretty good, and this year he was even better with the Heat. Let's look at Kobe's stats. He's played over 1,100 games, just over. His field goal percentage is less than LeBron's, but he does have more games, four point or 0.454 for Kobe. He has less rebounds and less assists per games, but he's kind of on a decrease considering he's getting older. He's seven years older than LeBron. And then Derrick Rose, 240 career games. His field goal percentage is 468, 6.7 assists per game, 3.9 rebounds. Derrick Rose had a great year. He was named the MVP. But look at the Chicago Bulls. Without Derrick Rose... Chicago wouldn't even be on the roadmap in the NBA. Derrick Rose, honestly, is the Chicago Bulls. Sure, you could say, oh, well, Carlos Boozer, he's the number two guy. No. 
I don't think – actually, you know what? I know Derrick Rose is not going to win a championship this year. I know it because he needs a number two guy. He needs a Scottie Pippen. Michael Jordan won six NBA titles with Scottie Pippen. Scottie Pippen, let's look at his stats, played eleven over 1,100 games. His field goal percentage was 0.473 better than Kobe's, LeBron's, and Derrick Rose's. If we look at rebounds per game, he had about 6.4 rebounds per game, 5.2 assists. But the reason Scottie Pippen was named to all those all-star teams and won all those championships was because of Michael Jordan. Carlos Boozer can stay with the Bulls. I'm fine with that. Carlos Boozer would be good staying with the Bulls, but he should be the number three guy. He should be the Chris Bosh out of the three. Derrick Rose needs a number two guy. Chicago, after how well they're doing in the playoffs and how well they will do in the playoffs, they're going to make some money this offseason. And I think, you know what, again, I know they need to go out and get a number two guy for Derrick Rose. It can be a small forward, a power forward. It doesn't matter because you need a number two guy for Derrick Rose. And I think after the f- and when the free agents see Derrick Rose and how well he's playing, they're going to want to be on his team too. Comparing it to the New York Jets. Everyone wants to play for the Jets now that they've gone to two AFC championships. Everyone wants to play for the Yankees because they've won 27 World Series. Is everyone going to want to play for the Bulls? Probably not, considering the Lakers and the Heat, Celtics and the Knicks. They're all out there. But if I were an NBA free agent coming into, the, coming into free agency... I'd want to look into Chicago. I want to look into being signed by Chicago because Chicago is really good. Derrick Rose went to Memphis. He only weighs 190 pounds and he's 6'3". But he's played, this is his second, actually this is his third pro pro year in the NBA and he's already shown he is going to be a great player, possibly a Hall of Famer, but it's too early to talk about that. Let's shift into the NHL now. Let's look at the NHL playoff bracket of 2011. The Rangers lost to the Capitals four games to one. The Rangers were the eight seed. The Caps were the one seed. So I really don't think that was a shock to anybody. The Tampa Bay Lightning upset the Pittsburgh Penguins. Sidney Crosby obviously couldn't hold off the Lightning, and they won in seven games. The Canadiens lost to the Boston Bruins. The Bruins were favored, so it's not a shock. I think it's more shocking they went to seven games. Then the Philadelphia Flyers edged the Sabres out in seven games. The Sabres the seven seed, the Flyers the two seed. So it's kind of weird that the Flyers brought it so close to the wire. Kind of foreshadows the fact that they lost in the second round, as did the Washington Capitals. So there were two upsets in the second round of the east of the eastern conference and it was the lightning and the bruins in the eastern conference finals going over to the western conference vancouver the eight the one seed was playing chicago the eight seed chicago hoped to make it to the western conference semifinals for the second year in a row of course they won the cup last year but they lost in seven games to the canucks the Predators beat the Ducks 4-2 to in a seamlessly easy round of, co- of the corner finals. The Ducks were the four seed, so they were upset. The Detroit Red Wings, Red Wings excuse me, swept the Phoenix Coyotes four games to none. 
that was not an upset at all. And the San Jose Sharks beat the Los Angeles Kings 4-2. to two. The Kings were the 7 seed. The Sharks were the 2 seed. The Kings lost 3 out of the 4 games in overtime, including Game 6, the one that San Jose took to clinch into the semis. The Vancouver Canucks beat the Nashville Predators. No sweat. The Canucks were the 1 seed. The Predators were the 5 seed. And the results for the Western Conference Finals are pending as of right now. Let's look at a few stats in the NHL. Ryan Kessler of the Canucks, he's a center, had five goals to lead the NHL. He also had 13 games played in the playoffs, which is another NFL number one spot. We'll look down the list. You know, you see a lot of guys that were all-stars. You look at... Brad Marchand of the Bruins, excuse me, Joe Thornton of San Jose, who had two goals, Nicholas Lindstrom. Nicholas Lindstrom of the Red Wings, a defenseman, had four goals. Corey Perry of Anaheim, who scored 50 goals in the regular season to lead the NHL. It looks like he had six, yes, six goals in the Western Conference. These are stats that aren't unheard of. But this was a good year for hockey. It was a really good year for hockey. It was a good, it's a good year for the NBA. And it's pretty cool to see all the upsets in the NHL. And it contrasts in the NBA with only one upset in the whole first round of the playoffs. In the NHL, there were... It looks like there was at least... Yes, there was one in the quarterfinals. There was... One in the semifinals for the Eastern Conference. There was one. There was one in the Western Conference. And it looks like there are more upsets in the NHL and the NBA. We'll talk about that a little next show. But we're going to look at a few other stats around the NHL. If you look at goalies. Jonathan Quick, of course, stands out because he did so well in the regular season. He did not make the All-Star game in Raleigh, North Carolina, but he played, I believe, five out of the six. Yes, five out of the six games the Kings played against the Coyotes. He lost all three of the games he played in overtime. He lost, of course, the other one in three periods, but it's pretty amazing how much progression the Kings are making. And it's really the only team in the Western Conference to be progressing like they are. The Canucks have always been good, lost in the semifinals last year. The Blackhawks won last year. The Ducks, last time they were in the playoffs, was in 07. The Predators have been somewhat consistent. The Red Wings, of course, the Detroit Red Wings, are always in the playoffs. The Phoenix Coyotes, did not make it last year, neither did the San Jose Sharks. The Kings made it last year. They lost in six games to Vancouver, but they didn't go to overtime in any of those games. People thought the Kings would improve a bit this year, maybe make the semis, but playing a team like San Jose, the two seed behind Vancouver, some had hope, some didn't. The Kings are making progression. I predict next year they're going to get to the semifinals. Once again, you could email us at voiceamericakids at yahoo.com. 
voiceamericakids at yahoo.com. Please email us your opinions. We'll try to get you on the air. We'll make a segment of it, and we'll read off the opinions that come through email. Once again, voiceamericakids at yahoo.com. You're listening to Behind the Lines here on, on the Voice America Kids Network. Go to www.voiceamericakids.com to listen for more of our shows. Or for more information, you can go to www.kidsdog.org. Our next segment will be the latest news around sports, the MLB, the NFL, and the NBA. We'll talk about that in the next segment. Stay tuned here on Voice America Kids. You're listening to Behind the Lines with me, Max Merkin. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. The Terrence Rogers Show will take the world by storm. The topics are sometimes newsworthy, sometimes personal, as we explore fashion, entertainment, art, and more. Host Terrence Rogers has seen a lot of life experience in his few years of life. It's this experience that allows him to bring a fresh perspective to the table, and he holds nothing back. Tune in to The Terrence Rogers Show every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Kids channel. You'll laugh, cry, and most importantly, this show. you're listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. What is Take Two? Take two crazy hosts, put them in front of two microphones, and use your two ears to enjoy the fun. Times two. Take two. We'll go back, way back to the favorite TV shows of our childhood. Your parents' childhood. Um, no. Uh, try again, Chris. Take two. We'll take you back to the favorite TV shows of our generation, past and present, and apply them to what's going on in our own lives. Trust us, it'll be a blast. Tune in to Take Two every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Kids channel. There is so much going on in the tech field. The Technology Show is here to sort it all out so that you know exactly what you need to get and what you should avoid. In this age of cell phones and text messaging and new discoveries every single day, you need to be informed. We'll bring you previews of new products, technology news, and help you make the right decision when you are out there buying that new MP3 player, cell phone, or mobile device. Don't do a thing until you've tuned in to The Technology Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Kids. What are some of the issues that kids face every day? You'll find out when you tune into the appropriately named Today's Kids. Your hosts are here to open the doors to a forum of all kinds of issues. Nothing is off the table here, and because it's on the Voice America Kids channel, you know you're getting a kid's perspective. Tune in every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for Today's Kids. Your hosts will lead this forum of engaging conversation on Voice America Kids. Want to know what's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network host? How about what's new with our network? 
Make sure you check out the iRadio blog, a look at what's hot at Voice America and beyond. Visit www.iradioblog.com today. Get the inside scoop on every channel on our network, including breaking news, featured guests, blog posts from our hosts, and much more. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter for even more inside action. Visit iradioblog.com today and stay connected. Action just doesn't stop. You're listening to Behind the Line on Voice America Kids. Now, back to the show. Hello and welcome back to Behind the Lines with me, Max Merck, and you're listening here on the Voice America Kids Network. For more information, you can go to www.voiceamericakids.com or www.kidstar.org. You can email us your opinions of the first three segments or the first two shows we've done so far at voiceamericakids at yahoo.com email us your opinions we'll talk about you and your opinions and your thoughts of me on the air right now we've talked about the NHL and the NFL the NHL and the NBA losers and upsets the NFL and the PGA Tour and golf right now we're going to talk about the latest news over sports the latest news about sports. It's the 21st century. And there was no doubt that a lot of equipment and a lot of modern machines would take us to where we are now. By that I mean replay and I mean a lot of computers, systems, and in an NFL game... If there's a touchdown controversy, you could look it over and you could watch the replay. So it's very modern. I'll give it that. But in my perspective, in my point of view, I think it's a little bit too modern. I think that, you know, perfect games are being, you know, last year Armando Galarraga, perfect example, the Detroit Tigers. Never been a headlines pitcher, never been a superstar, but... He had 26 perfect outs last year. Somebody hit a ground ball. I forget who it was. They were hustling down the line. Miguel Cabrera made the play, threw it over to Galarraga. It looks like they had the runner by two steps, but Jim Joyce called him safe. Of course, of course the infamous Jim Joyce called him safe, replays everything were shown, everything was shown, and it was proven that Armando Galarraga had a perfect game. It's sad. It's sad that Jim Joyce made that really horrid call, but it's also sad that Bud Selig contemplated giving Armando Galarraga the perfect game, all because of replay. You know, home runs turn into foul balls or vice versa because of replay. And I'm not saying it's for the... it's. It, it's not for the better. It is for NFL, the NFL, because the pace keeps going. But in the MLB, fans are getting bored because the, you know their, their teams are playing three-and-a-half-hour games. And to top that off, umpires are taking five, ten minutes to make a ruling of a call. A couple years ago, it was just the umpire called it a fair ball. It was a fair ball. The umpire called it a strike. It's a strike. Now... Bud Selig is contemplating changing that, saying, okay, a double can now be a foul ball. A foul ball can now be a double. I think these umpires are the best at what they do. 
these umpires should have the opportunity to make the call. So, you know, I, I'm kind of skeptical with the instant replay, but you have to do what you have to do. And the instant replay is very popular among fans, and every network shows the instant replay, and the announcers say their points of views, and they say what they think it was, it, it, whether it was a trap or a diving catch or a fair ball or a foul ball. And fans are influenced by that. So I think fans want the instant replay, but to me as a very small part of the media, I have a feeling it's not going to be for the better. We'll stay with the MLB. That's going to be what a lot of the talk is about. But, you know, the MLB is also saying, hey, why don't we, instead of having one wild card team, let's have two. Yeah, let's have 10 MLB playoff teams, five from the NL, five from the AL, and it'll make everything better. And that's pretty much set in stone. Next season, the 2012 season, there's going to be 10 total playoff teams. There was a popular slogan, eight teams, one champion, from the early 2000s. Now it's 10 teams, one champion. Fans are saying, wow, that's great because now the team that can't, now my borderline San Diego Padres that lost to the Giants last year, yeah, now they're going to make it because there's an extra wild card team. I'm not saying I'm a Padres fan, I'm giving an example. But if you're the third best team in the American League, you might not make it. Think about it. Last year, the New York Yankees and the Tampa Bay Rays represented the American League East in the playoffs. The Yankees were the wild card winner. The Rays were the division winner. But if you're the Red Sox, let's say, the Red Sox last year were out of contention in August. But if you're the Boston Red Sox and you know, you're know you five games back of the Yankees in first and the Rays are three games back, you might not make the playoffs because you know the two wild card teams, the Yankees would win the division, the Rays would hypothetically make the wild card, but then let's say the Angels, okay, the Angels would take over the wild card spot. Is it for the better? Maybe. But it it might it's it might be a complete disaster or a total success. And it's a call that I'm kind of happy Bud Selig made. Not because it's going to be for the better, but because he had the guts to do it. Roger Goodell, David Stern even, they might not make this call. They might say, you know what, I don't know, I'm, it's, I'll make it uh, the decision in five years. But Bud Selig saying, you know what, no. I don't care what fans think, I don't care what the press thinks. I'm making this decision. I'm doing this right now. That's what he's doing. I mean... It's it's okay, I guess, but that's what Bud Seelig, that's what Bud Selig is deciding. He seems to be the talk of the MLB right now, though. Going into a third MLB headline, Frank McCourt, the Dodgers owner. We've previously touched on this, but Frank McCourt was kind of stripped of his ownership job of the Los Angeles Dodgers, and Thomas Schaefer took over as an MLB representative. The outcome is not 
predetermined, Selig said. We have a monitoring and an investigative approach to this, and when I have all the information, then I'll make the decisions. This sport has very definitive rules, and it's my job to make sure that the rules are enforced, Selig commented, because Frank McCourt made a very lucrative kind of illegal deal with Fox, giving them the rights through 2020, and it was a $3 billion deal. And Bud Selig said that Frank McCourt was making this decision because he was running out of money. They, Him and Jamie McCourt had the very public falling out and divorce, and Frank McCourt struggling for cash. That's honestly what it is. He's tried to take out three loans so far, and he tried to make a a lucrative TV contract with Fox so all would be good, but he couldn't. Last month, at, at the end of April, the Dodgers were $5 million short on their payments to the players, to the coaches, to anybody involved with the Dodgers. Bud Seeley confirmed that he met personally with Frank McCourt, and it's the first time they've met since Major League Baseball took control of the Dodgers on April 20th. Selig has appointed former president of the Rangers, Thomas Schaefer, as I said, to monitor the Dodgers and approve all financial transactions larger than $5,000. So if the Dodgers want to go out and they want to buy 20 more pretzels to sell, Thomas Schaefer doesn't care, but if they want to go out and they want to add 15 more Wetzel's pretzel stands, then Thomas Schaefer comes into it. Selig said he asked that the reports be filed be filed secretively, not really secretively, but it looks like Selig said that they'd be filed expeditiously. I'm sorry, I can't read this quote. Selig, Selig said that the file should be reported to him and to the MLB by secret, and he's not going to tell Frank McCourt what he's writing on these reports. Frank, Milli- Frank McCourt excuse me, said that he's awaiting Selig's approval of a $3 billion TV rights extension due with Fox so he can resolve his short-term financial problems, as I said. And that's what McCourt and Selig met about. He had already taken a $30 million loan from Fox to make his last April and upcoming mid-May payments. That's sad. It's sad. As I said earlier, last show, the business side of sports is taking over. The business side of sports is ruling the Dodgers, ruling the MLB, the NFL, the NHL, the PGA Tour. It's all about money. But let's end it on a rather happy note. Frank McCourt looks to be solving the problem with Bud Selig. It looks like he will take over control of the Dodgers. But it's sad that Frank McCourt's doing this. It's sad that he's going through this public divorce, but let's touch base right now on what we've talked about, Brett Favre's number being retired in Green Bay, the the famous number four. D. Rose, LeBron James, and Kobe Bryant all make the all-NBA team. The CBA lockout is now reinstated, so right now the NFL is locked out, and Tiger Woods withdrew from the TPC Sawgrass tournament in Point Verde, Florida, so... Just touching touching base on what we've talked about here on Behind the Lines. That will conclude this segment and our third show of Behind the Lines. 
I'm Max Merkin. Thank you so much for listening. Email us your opinions at voiceamericakids at yahoo.com. For more information about Behind the Lines, about Voice America Kids, or about any of what we've talked about, go to voiceamericakids.com. Once again, www.voiceamericakids.com. Thank you for listening. I'm Max Merkin. Stay tuned for our next show. That's the end of Regulation Play. Join us next week for another edition of Behind the Line, an insider's look at sports from a kid's point of view. We'll see you next week on Voice America Kids. This is VoiceAmericaKids.com. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today.